Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Enlightenment, where we open the door and take down the walls of the therapy office. Hi, I'm Oakley Ogden, a licensed professional counselor and coach with over 17 years of experience working with young adults. In this podcast, I unpack the profane to recognize how the tough stuff is the sacred stuff. Join us as we explore it all, the taboo topics and otherwise nothing is off limits. In this space of safety and love, let's work it out and learn how we can all build resilience and strength of character to make each day count as we live our best life and have fun doing it. Each month, I have an interview with someone I think we can learn from, someone who is willing to share their story and offer us the nuggets of their journey. These interviews are reminders that we are not alone in this wild experience of life and that there are people out there that, while we see as successful, have sacrificed, overcome, and rebirthed themselves many times over to become who they are today. These episodes are not only to learn, but to demystify the idea of an arrival place. And today, my interview is with the one and only Erica Rose, former personal trainer, three-time bodybuilding bikini champion of Colorado, and entrepreneurial spitfire. Just wait for it. Join me for part one of this two-part series as we get to know this incredible woman, the addiction she's overcome, the unprecedented goals she has hit before the age of 26, and what she discovered about herself along the way. She offers us deep reminders that we can do anything we put our minds to, that we have to go through it to get over it, and if something's wrong and not working, hello, we have to change it. So let's go. So today I have with me a very, very special woman, Erica Rose, and before I introduce her, I'm going to let you know how I know her. So in 2014, I got into a major car accident, and this car accident was life-threatening, and I had a huge head injury. And about two months later, uh, my memory was really compromised, and I went to the doctor, of course. I had a major, major concussion that took months and months to get over. And I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme disease and Epstein-Barr, and... I went into um, pretty serious treatments for about 18 months. And about a year into those treatments, I hadn't exercised in a full year. And as an athlete, that was a really new experience for me. And I was almost atrophied. Like I just had no idea how to even lift a weight. And I knew it was time to start moving my body again. And I sort of crawled over to the local gym And the owner of the local gym or manager said, I've got the perfect person for you. (laughs) (laughs) And in walks Erica Rose, this extraordinary bright light, sass for days, (laughs) (laughs) alignment, wisdom, all of these, this passion. And step by step, this young woman brought me back to life. And we are very bonded as a result of all those years. She actually got me in the most ridiculous shape of my life. And um, for the first time, I 
didn't have inflammation running through my whole body. So I was able to achieve goals physically that I had never been able to achieve. And I got to experience my physicality in ways that I had never experienced before, even as an athlete. And, um, it led to everything. I got to wear clothes I had never been able to wear. I got to move in ways and dance in ways I had never been able to do. And um, any of my friends and family listening to this know that I was prolific on the dance floor already. <laughs> <laughs> so I know Erica Rose formerly, formally, formerly, formerly, formerly. formerly? I know Erica Rose. Um, as in her from her past life, where she was a personal trainer, mm -hmm. <laughs> where she was a personal trainer, an extraordinary personal trainer, um, very very devoted, committed, and very very knowledgeable. And um, I also know her as a bodybuilder who won Miss Colorado three times. Um, Erica, how old are you? I'm 29 years old. Erica is 29, and the journey that has gotten her here to 29 years old is um, unprecedented. <laughs> what this woman has overcome in her 20s and healed, and the strength and perseverance this young person has is an example to us all. And I'm very, very honored to learn about her new life and her new chapter. So I welcome Erica. Hello, my darling. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so good to see you. I know. It's been too long. I you know. can't go this long. I know. <laughs> I know. It's been years, it feels like. The pandemic added yeah, years. No kidding. So you are in a massively vibrant new chapter in your life. I am. And you really have let go of a former life in a way that inspires me. I mean, thinking about letting go of some things that I do day to day in my career, you know, that kind of frightens mm -hmm. me even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know that bodybuilding and training and being a personal trainer, you achieved almost all of your goals so quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I was asking myself, what's next for you? Mm -hmm. This Erica Rose is a manifesting machine. And she learned to become that. I learned that from Miss Oakley Osborne. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are you kidding? Is that still your last name or did you change it? I did not change okay, my last so name. Okay, Oakley Ogden, yes. Yes. I, Recently yes. married, did not change my last name. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I may have given you the, uh, tools. the tools or or a door or the key to open the door, but girl, you took it to another place. I feel like you just opened up my whole perspective on what is possible, though. So. Mm. That key was the master key, <laughs> to say the least. And then from there, I just ran with it. <laughs> oh, my God. So what do you want to tell us about who you are today or, like, what you're up to today? Like, what, is a, what does a day in the life look like? Oh, man, it's crazy. There's so many moving pieces right now. Uh, usually, I feel like my past self, I would have been really stressed out and not be able to manage it um, as far as my emotions or delegating certain tasks and learning how to own a home and all the projects and everything just combined. But I feel that everything that I went through prepared me exactly for what I'm achieving right now. And with that being said, 
uh, my boyfriend and I, my soulmate, love him so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are in the process with multiple businesses. We are in the works of creating just an empire. So you guys things. are co-entrepreneuring hard together we right are. now. Dang. I, Look, your yeah. eyes are so lit up right now, <laughs> listener. She is glowing. Yeah, okay. It's incredible. I never thought that I'd find somebody who, I guess, I always felt like I was going to have to be the motivator a lot of because of the industry I worked in and just how self-driven I was. Mm-hmm. And when people see that, I feel like it's infectious. Mm-hmm. And especially with a significant other, I always felt that they were, I guess, expecting me to bring that out in them. And I didn't want any more, I guess you could say, projects. I was on a different journey, and I realized when it came, (laughs) how do I put this? I dated a lot, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that was one of the biggest stepping stones for me to realize who I was as a person, what I was willing to put up with, what I knew I needed, what I didn't, all of these things. And I feel like I was able to really... I guess, transition that into my work life too. And so with that being said, once I found Austin, he brings something out in me that I didn't think anybody else could. I thought that I always had to find that within myself. And when you find somebody that makes you want to work harder and be better, not just in a business atmosphere or, or, I mean, environment, I guess you could say, but more of a, just a better person in general and just showing up for not only yourself, but for the people that matter to you is when the magic really starts to happen. And so we've been together for almost two years. It feels like an eternity though. Um, And throughout that whole time, and I guess just our journey in general, we've realized what's important to us, the the life that we wanna live in the future, ultimately this reality that we wanted to create. And it was so in alignment with each other. We were like, okay, this is really, I guess, nerve wracking to depend on somebody else because we've always been so independent individually. And we decided that we were just going to take the risk. And so now we are in the works of my very first apparel line. Oh, my God. Which I have been dreaming of since I was a little girl. Come on, girl. (laughs) What? Yeah. So it's been... Uh, it's been a journey to say the least, but by the way, this girl, her outfits are fire all the time. I have known her for a long time. So stay tuned for whatever is coming. I'm like, ready. so good. Okay. Tell us, tell us. I mean, since I was a little girl, I've been, I mean, I got in trouble in elementary school for my mom would leave for work and then I get picked up by the bus and went, within that 10 minute time frame, I'd cut up all my clothes, add this, <laughs> add whatever strips I cut off to a belt. And I'd get, <laughs> my mom would get a call from work and be like, Erica's not dressed appropriately. But I thought, I mean, I've always, you thought you look cre- good. yes, my creative energy. And so I've been doing that from early on. And I told my mom growing up, I want to be a designer. I want to, mm. and she's like, okay, let's be a little bit realistic about this. Oh. You know, wanna, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You need to make sure that you are financially independent and that you have a backup plan. And since I was a little girl, I never, the, I don't want this to sound bad, but I don't like following other people's instructions, I guess you could say. Um, And that's why I'm an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I am very headstrong. And when I feel that I want to achieve something, I don't let anything or anyone get in my way. And so for somebody to kind of hold something over my head, I knew that that wasn't the direction I wanted to go. So um, 
yeah, then I started becoming a personal trainer and I started getting all these cute workout clothes. And then from there, everybody had these brand names and I was finding stuff on Amazon and just random little stores that are like even, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, stuff I can find for 99 cents and people are like, where did you get that? It's true. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. I mean, everywhere I go, people are asking. I'm like, you had oh an eye. Gosh. Yeah. And, yeah. You and I'm a bargain to, shopper You are too. a bargain shopper. It's yep. just the way I grew up. Yep. And so Austin always laughs at me, my boyfriend, because he's like, if anybody asks you, it looks like you paid a ton of money for that. And then they ask you and you're so proud of it. You're like, no, I got it for five ninety nine. And so I'm like, why don't I make my own? And so Austin was already in that business mm-hmm. for um, athletic wear, for the Air Force Academy, the hockey team. I mean, all these really cool athletic teams and everything. But we want, we were thinking so small and I wanted to help him with that, but I wanted my own thing too. And so then that's when we were like, okay, well, could this be successful if we work together? And I was like, well, why don't we start with the hockey moms? Why don't we start with the demographic that we're already affiliated with right now? Smart. So we originally were manufacturing out of Pakistan and China, but because of everything going on in the world and then the prices increasing, we were like, okay, we can't keep doing this. And it was such a headache. And I mean, just even shipping this stuff was yeah. becoming unbearably expensive. And so we have been working on this for over a year to bring it in the States. Wow. And we officially have our own manufacturing company seven minutes away. What? Holy, this is we huge. We have our own employees, Seamstress, other companies. U.S. Manufacturer out wow. of our yeah, facility. It's incredible. So wait, how do we get a peek at this line? What's the deal? Tell well, us. it's... <laughs> This is why when you sent me those questions, I would, or yeah, I guess the questions. That I sent some pre-questions mm-hmm. to warm up. Yep. And I looked at these a couple of days ago and it was all about my business. And it's funny because there are so many moving pieces. So we're in the works of building the Instagram. We just solidified our name. Can't say it yet, but okay. I came up with it. Yeah. I was like, oh my did. gosh. <laughs> and it, it was it. So it, it's just, it just has so much meaning behind it that it's just incredible. But um, You've always been very intentional, for sure. One hundred percent. And yes. I wanted it to be under the umbrella of both Austin and I, instead mm-hmm. of just Elevated Energy, which um, is my personal training right. business. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, from there. So that's the big one. And then, as far as future goals, we're ultimately just trying to become the Amazon of the sports and marketing world. Oh, good. So you've started mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. That's good. So as far as finding <laughs> us, I know, right? I'm like, let's not think too big. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to think huge. Yes. Um, this is the only way I know how, uh, that you do it. I'm an extremist, yes. you know? And, and that's all right. And it's good now. Mm-hmm. I mean, not back in the day because it wasn't We'll talk about that. Positive, yeah. I just want people to feel confident and beautiful in what they're wearing mm. and just feel good about themselves. And this is what I'm passionate about now, and that's why I've transitioned from the whole health and wellness lifestyle coach to kind of doing my own thing and Mm -hmm. really just focusing on what I can do and not really putting my energy into the expectation of what I think other, AKA my clients should be doing. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I'm just going to hit pause button because a lot of great stuff is happening. So here's the big question. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a listener out there, probably many, but certainly certainly one who's listening right now that is in some sort of transition point, right? Mm-hmm. 
whether confronted with expectations of what is expected of them after college or in the working world now, um, or they've tried a couple jobs and now it's time to really claim or listen to that voice. It's like, I am just not totally satisfied here. Mm-hmm. Erica, how did you hear the voice? What happened? How did you get from one identity to another? That transition is miraculous and very challenging for most of us. So how'd you shed the old, especially one that was so shiny and polished? I mean, you're an extraordinary trainer. You were, you still are if you turned it up, it's in you. Mm -hmm. You won Miss Colorado three times in the bodybuilding world. Like, girl, I know. (laughs) tell us about that transition. I'm fascinated to know. I'm still in that transition. Mm, that's a good answer. <laughs> oh, I get man. that. Oh, man. It's never ending, but I get a little emotional talking about this. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. It's honestly incredible. <laughs> when you put your mind to something and you truly believe in it and you want it, and you're not willing to let anything or anyone get in your way, it's... And then you start to actually achieve little, little goals along the way. And then, you know, you achieve your biggest goal and you're like, oh, my gosh, if that's possible, then what else is possible? And that's how you build up the momentum. And so as far as my transition and the confidence and the confidence, but that but, you know, going through those actions and really making sure that you're trying to continue to be your best self every day and not every day is going to be great. But like reflecting on that and making sure that you know, you're taking steps forward instead of self-sabotaging yourself and just being honest with yourself is the biggest part. And I think that is the most challenging aspect as far as transformation for anybody is taking a really good look in the mirror and just like realizing that you are where you are because of your past actions and everything that, you know, you thought that was right or wrong or It's basically one of those things that you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And when you're being honest with yourself, you need to realize that it's nobody else's fault. It doesn't matter where you came from or how you were raised or what you went through, the trauma, anything. If you know deep down that you're meant to be something better and that you're here for a purpose, my main advice is to hone in on that and believe in yourself because... It doesn't matter if anybody tells you that you're doing great or, you know, if you look great or, I mean, if you're a great person or anything. If you don't believe in that in yourself, none of that matters. And I feel like that goes on with podcasts, too. I mean, you could listen to podcasts, but if you don't really listen and have something to resonate with, then there's no change there. So going back to the whole trans transformation, I guess you could say, I've had so many, but this most recent one is basically I came to a point in my life where I felt stuck. And I told Oakley this as well. I felt like something was holding me back. And just like she's mentioned previously, like everything, I I mean, my reality that I've created, I told her just earlier that I have to pinch myself multiple times a day because I'm like, is this really my life based off of like everything that I went through? And where you came from. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and where I came from. Mm -hmm. And so... Because this is my reality, I realized that anything is possible. And I, and my main, 
I guess I wouldn't say it's my mantra, but just what really keeps me going is that I will never settle ever. And this transition is just proving to me that I'm not done. And I have a long journey ahead of me, but it's showing me that I am capable of whatever I need to do. And even though my past self, as far as, you know, I, I did become the trainer that I always wanted to be. I trained the Denver Broncos cheerleaders. I made people's goals become their reality. I mean, I positively influenced so many people and not just with their aesthetic like perspective on themselves, but just overall how they viewed themselves. And that's what lit me up. But then going back to when I felt stuck, personal training wasn't doing that for me anymore. Bodybuilding wasn't doing that for me anymore. I just couldn't figure it out. And it was weird because I thought that those were the main things that were keeping me balanced and keeping me aligned with who I wanted to become. And I wasn't happy. And I wasn't just going to lie to myself saying like, no, this is what I want to do because it was a vision I had two years ago. And right then I realized that just like with my past addictions and everything, the couple of things that I thought that were keeping me grounded and holding my identity and I mean, just like basically creating who I was were the things that were holding me back. Mm. And Mm. Mm -hmm. based off of my future goals, Mm -hmm. I needed to take a good look at myself to be like, okay, what is this providing for me? Is this providing like, an insane amount of value and light and love and energy, or is it sucking it out of you? Like, why don't you feel like you can do your cardio? Why don't you feel like you want to meal prep? Why do you dread going to every session? Like, Mm. what is it? And so that's when I realized if something's not working, you have to change, you have to change it. Mm. And I mean, I just like really took a good look at my life and what was causing me positive emotions and the ones that were really just kind of bogging me down. And it is scary because that, that was my root identity. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be the best in the world at bodybuilding. I wanted to be the best trainer. I wanted to be that personal trainer. I wanted to be the next Jillian Michaels, but better. Mm -hmm. I, that was me. Mm. And I worked so hard to become that, but then I had it right in front of me, all of it. I was about to go get my pro card and I know I have the capability to be the best in the world. And that door's not closed as far as you know, becoming Miss Bikini Olympia someday. Mm -hmm. But as of right now, that's not where my priorities lie. And so as far as transformation goes, I feel that it's most important to really focus on your priorities and then kind of backtrack and see what you're doing on a daily basis in order to propel yourself that much closer to that ultimate goal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that wasn't – I mean, the things I needed to do in order to – you know, be the best personal trainer or be the best bikini competitor in the world or do, I didn't want to do those things. And I feel like that was the biggest sign, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. feeling restricted or I, I don't feel lit up with an exuberant amount of energy or anything, mm-hmm. then it's not in alignment with my divine path. And I need to listen to that. And That's the word right there. Mm-hmm. You listen. Mm-hmm. And you're not like you listened past, you are listening always. That's what it that's what I'm hearing right now. Oh, 100%. How do you cultivate that level of listening in your life? <laughs> when I became sober. <laughs> uh-huh. 
Yeah, it was the best way I can describe it is Hmm. you have a bright light. Every one of us has a bright light within. And I call that our intuition. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in the midst of my negative spiral and I was constantly drinking and consuming alcohol in order to, I guess, just live and just deal with life on a daily basis. But you were consuming alcohol and still sort of like... Oh, I, I considered myself functioning for a very long yeah, time. Yeah, functioning alcoholic. But as it started to progress and I started to like almost... Well, not almost, I needed it. Mm-hmm. That light within started to diminish. And the voices became so faint and quiet. The energy within was dead. Um, And you can see that when people are happy and healthy, their aura, you can see it within just the smile on their face or the little twinkle in their eye or something. I didn't have any of that. I looked in the mirror and I was like, who is this? Mm. I, I, I transformed in the worst way possible, Mm. but I mean, yeah, it was, it was crazy. I totally forgot where we were because I just... You went... Oh, man. I was just that. saw everything. That, oh, wow. Yeah, you just insane. took a look backwards. Yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Whoa. Well, you've overcome major addiction in actually quite a short period of time um, relatively to your life. Mm-hmm. And you also, from me, I've been able to witness this, um, haven't missed a second in gleaning the lessons and the insights from your recovery. Yeah. And you've allowed, from what I can see, you tell me if I'm off or Mm -hmm. whatever, you've allowed those lessons to propel you forward. It's, It's like you just didn't spend a lot of time wondering what was right and what wasn't. And there was a clarity in your action. So tell us a little bit about your recovery. I had a lot of multiple rock bottoms. Everybody says once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up from there. Mm. Um, you you bounced yeah. around on the rock bottom oh, a couple yeah. times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was everywhere down there, girl. <laughs> it's boring. Oh, yeah. boring. You know, I wanted to see what was up. Yeah, what's under this rock? Yeah, what's never, under this one? never want to go back under those. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good lessons found under those rocks. So. Yeah. Um, what did like a classic day in your addiction look like? Oh, classic day in my addiction. So towards the end when it got really bad I stopped attending work because I was so consumed with anxiety my resting heart rate was 153 what's a regular resting heart rate I mean if you're an athlete 67 I mean even lower if you're like a extreme athlete yeah I think mine's in the 80s I mean that's all normal but any oh anything over 90 to 100 is not good so you were at 157 it was like that's what I should be when I'm like running miles Oh my gosh. Like it was insane. And that was me just relaxing. It was bad. So anyway, um, it got to the point where I had to drink all day, every day. And it was one of those things where I didn't remember what it was like to feel sober and I was terrified of it. So of sobriety, mm -hmm, Uh because I, every time I'd get close to it, I would start withdrawing and I had multiple seizures. So I was terrified once I would relapse Yeah. And then I would be terrified to quit again because then I was scared that I'd have seizures. Um, It was bad. So I would wake up in the morning and I'd have like two double shooters 
to like get me awake. So then I would slam those and then <laughs> I'm like, am I going to get in trouble because I'm on this right now? Like drinking and driving is that bad? Um, it's in the past, I think. Okay. I'll and just you already paid your penance. Yeah. Okay. So, well, basically <laughs> I had a serious, this is, this is real. I'm not making this up. You hear this stuff in the stories, but right, I mean, in books, whatever I'd have my round of liquor stores. So first I'd go to the one that opened at 7am cause it was the one that opened the earliest. So I would go there and I would get like my three or four double shooters. So then that way I could start my day. So then I'd go there and then I would basically kind of knock out, like pass out again. And then I'd wake up. And if I decided to go to work, then I'd be sober enough. But on the way to work, I'd have to stop at the liquor store on the way there. So then that way during my sessions or like in between, um, if I had a break, then I could slam them because my tremors would get so bad. So then I'd be sober enough to be able to drive home. And then on the way home, I'd get it. I never bought bottles because I knew I'd drink them all. So I would just get these double shooters and so you self-regulated. Yeah, I tried. <laughs> wow, right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'd have enough to be able to go home, drink and then just have a couple more for the middle of the night when I would wake up. And mm. this was like this horrible cycle and yeah. I couldn't get out of it. It was so bad. Like, how, nothing. how did you get out of it? My DUI. That, uh, that was my rock bottom. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy, though, because. I asked for it. I asked mm. for this for sure because I was I would pray constantly. I didn't have a higher power at that point, but I knew something bigger was out there and I didn't know what it was, but I knew that I was meant to be here and I had a choice and the two choices were either I was going to die from this and just end up being another statistic basically or I would do anything and everything in my power to witness this miracle that everybody talked about in AA once you became sober and the potential that you have. And if I, so I promised myself if I stayed sober enough to witness that, and everybody's journey is different. Sometimes it can happen in a month. Sometimes it happens in a year. Like mine happened to be like three and a half months. And I realized everything I started to achieve and like what life was really about. I mean, I had to recreate every thought p- pattern, every habit, every life choice, everything, the way I would get ready in the morning, because I would have to take shots before I could get in the shower for motivation. Like I drank for everything, whether I was sad, tired, bored, hungry, lonely, like, I mean, literally everything excited, but then it started to affect me where I would become so depressed that I literally would just drink so I could pass out just to wake up again to like pass out. Mm. And I was miserable. I was so sad. And When I got pulled over, I was two seconds away from my house. Ironically, I was on my way to AA. I was supposed to be at my nephew's third birthday, I believe. And I knew I couldn't show my face because everybody would know I relapsed again. And I remember waking up and I had to go to the bathroom. So I lifted up the comforter and I just had empty shooters everywhere. And I remember trying to like find at least a little something in each one. So I would like undo all of them and try and pour them into something to like make a shot or do something. That's like a movie scene. It was bad. Yeah. Like it got so bad. And I'm really sorry for those listeners. I'm just, I, I told Oakley I'm an open book, but like when I say my addiction almost killed me multiple times, like I was at the point where I didn't want to waste liquor 
And I would literally like, I would take a shot and my body would reject it so fast that I would like cover my mouth uh, to swallow it again. Wow. <laughs> Wow, I'm not next kidding level. you. I know. Mm, and I have so many girl. of those crazy stories. And looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just feel so bad for my body. I mean, that was the main thing. I was just like, what have I done to you? Mm. I mean, I gained 62 pounds. I I didn't have any hobbies. I didn't really have any friends at that point because I gave up on myself. So why would anybody else try mm. my family? They didn't mm. disown me, but it was hard for them. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. And so I had to do this a lot on my own. I mean, I had my main group as far as like my support system, but I mean, that type of journey, you have to want to do it for yourself. And I feel like for so long when I tried to get sober, it was one of those things where I was doing it because I knew my family didn't approve or because of this reason or because I wanted to compete or because of whatever, you know, it wasn't because I saw that it was a, like an actual issue hmm. until I lifted up that comforter. I was scrambling, trying to find just whatever alcohol I could. I was supposed to be at my nephew's third birthday. And then I realized, and so I was like, well, maybe I can just get in the shower to like get the courage to like go to the liquor store. I'm like, and I saw my reflection and that's when I kind of blacked out a little bit just for a second when I saw myself like my eyes didn't even look the same. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was gone. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, I need to go to AA. Like, please let this be the last time that I ever have to do this again. Like, please, please, please. And so I was on my way to AA and <laughs> literally not even like two seconds from my house on Wadsworth in the middle during rush hour, get pulled over for careless driving. It was so bad. I was wearing these horrendous cat leggings with the shirt that said spiritual gangster on it <laughs> you know how your hair is after you shower and you don't dry it and you go to sleep and it's just like a mess <laughs> it was like a wig oh my gosh yeah it was you looked oh mm -hmm. I fit the part yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I never want to see that footage. It was probably so bad, but I remember <laughs> I he, fit the part. Yeah, I it was not good. And so I yeah, I got handcuffed and the whole thing and rights read all of it, but I refused. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that that was part of my rights. Oh. Or not my rights, I guess the law. You mm -hmm. sign it with a driver's license saying you will do roadside mm -hmm. like tests or whatever and I just I was following like law and order though where they're like don't you say anything until a lawyer pr is present That's so right. my lips were literally zipped shut and I was like mm -mm. <laughs> and I just would shake my head back and forth like mm -mm. like even to the emergency room when they Aww. tried to take my blood I was just mm -mm. and so that ended up kind of screwing me over in the end but this was all a huge blessing in disguise once I had the handcuffs on and I knew that either I was going to detox or jail I actually had a smile on my face Oh. oddly enough, because I was like, this is exactly what I asked for. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. So the universe is like, let me just give you an extra little push there. So then I got on probation. Wow. And I wasn't allowed that to. That part of you that really actually wanted to live mm -hmm. finally got to smile. Yep. And then that's oh, when I I'm felt cry. that little, <laughs> you know, that light within, that intuition. Mm. It was it was a flicker, like barely anything there. But I saw it mm. like that saying the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I'm telling you, if you looked through a coffee straw in a dark room, that tiny, saw, I mean, it was so small, seed. but I saw it. And that's all that I needed. There was hope. And then that's when I was like, all right, like I don't have a choice. 
like if I I'm going to jail if I screw up probation Mm -hmm. and that was a whole other story supposed to last two years it ended up lasting almost three it was it was such a headache I ended up having to get a scram on my ankle like a Mm -hmm. like an ankle bracelet Mm -hmm. that detects alcohol because I was competing so much that my UAs were turning out diluted Mm -hmm. because I had to drink so much water yeah and so they thought that I was trying to like dilute the mm -hmm. booze I'm like you really think I could accomplish all of this if I was under the influence right now? Uh, hard no. Yeah. And uh-huh. so it just like became this whole thing. I wrote the judge literally a 20 page letter um, telling her all of my achievements, everything I went through, um, how this transformed my life and how I turned my mess into a message and everything, because that was the court date that was going to determine whether or not I was off at that two year mark or if she was going to prolong it and she really didn't care and she goes and she was one of the ones who told me I was an extremist and she said Miss Erica you know I really appreciate the letter you wrote me and you know that is really good that you've done so well but I think we need to give you a little more time because it seems to me that you're quite the extremist and I was like, oh, my. Um, and I wanted to react so bad and just be mm-hmm. like, yes, I'm an extremist, but this is positive. Like, this I, this is all positive stuff. Yes, I'm an extremist, but how else would I achieve everything that I have if I wasn't? When I'm passionate about something, I go for it. But she's like, I'm going to give you another year yeah. of legal structure mm-hmm. so that you have to keep integrating this new part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was so mad, and I mean, I'm, I still am a little bitter about it, but at the same time, I know everything happens for a reason, and just like... Are you bitter about it, looking back, knowing where you are right now? The end of it, yeah, the last three months when it got extended, the last three, and I sent you that video when I had to call in on New Year's Eve. Your last call-in. My last call-in. Um, I was a little bitter about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt as if they were trying to make an example out of me, mm-hmm. and... Maybe they did, but nobody was there to witness it. But I'm telling my story now. I mean, I'm here to witness it. And certainly the listeners here to witness it right now. So I really hear you. I get your uh, frustration with the judge. Um, And I'm I'm kind of having this memory right now of when I was in high school and I showed up with a lot of passion (laughs) and and, uh, unrefined leadership qualities, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we can call them. And uh, was an athlete, so I made the teams, and I was getting good grades, but on the side, you know, uh, scheming for the next adventure Mm -hmm. and who to bring along on the next adventure (laughs) with me and um, getting into a lot of trouble and escaping a lot of trouble and all that kind of stuff. And the dean of the school saw this little twinkle in my eye (laughs) and understood what I was capable of before I understood what I was capable of Hmm. and started putting different restrictions into my daily life and stuff like that uh, in high school. Um, I was at a boarding school, so that's why she had the power to do that. Hmm. And, um, And then I started getting letters in my little mailbox Uh, that said, please report to this room at three o'clock, you're going to be on this panel. So she actually fundamentally started turning the volume down on my little scheming side and turning the volume up and teaching me to channel um, that 
leadership energy that was mm-hmm. uh, leading people sort of like off a cliff first and then now into, mm. um, you know, support, realization, community connection. Uh, and really that first bit of training came from her. But those those years at boarding school, those three years I was there, mm-hmm. junior, senior, or uh, sophomore, junior, senior, um, man, did we just fight, you know? It was like me against the dean, mm-hmm. right? And looking <laughs> back, I was like, oh, God. And now, of course, looking mm-hmm. back, I was like, dang, she knew what she was doing. She knew exactly <laughs> what she was doing. We have I since know. had many lovely talks. Really? And okay. I can't help to think that a little bit about the judge. Oh, 100%. Yes. It's, it definitely molded me into who I am today, but it was just so hard going through it. I mean, I could talk for days about every single oh my God, aspect of probation. Imagine. Don't ever drink and drive. Don't do it. <laughs> do not do it. It's it is not, not worth, worth it. it. And especially after watching all those videos about how you're, I mean, I feel like, well, for me anyway, I never really put two and two together. I know this sounds so bad about really putting other people's life at risk. Yeah. I mean, innocent lives and seeing those mad panels of, you know, these innocent lives being taken or they're permanently handicapped or yeah. can't walk or do anything. Yeah. It's just like, I never want to be responsible for somebody's trauma like mm-hmm. that. And I think that's what really, I guess, made me think twice about my decisions and how it could cause really, really drastic repercussions mm-hmm. um, based off of just like one choice. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely... But that one choice is preceded by multiple tiny choices, hundreds of tiny choices. Mm-hmm. So we have the opportunity to change that choice hundreds of times before that one moment. And it's a learning experience. And I feel mm-hmm. that the universe or your higher power is always, always kind of slapping you in the face with those same opportunities for you to learn those same messages, but just in a different form. Uh, but... Until you get it? Until you get it, Mm. yeah. And it's just, and it's so crazy though too because how it does transform into a completely different situation but yet it's still the same lesson. And so that's where I feel the transformation really does start to evolve is when you start listening to your gut being like, okay, so based off of the past experience when this was very similar to this, what was the outcome here? Mm. Okay, so is this going to propel me forward to my future goals or is this going to take me 10 steps back? Yeah. How is this? So, and I feel Am like- Am I going toward or away? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so many people, especially within our generation, are always looking for the quick fix out, whether that's with weight loss transformation or just trying to be happy in general. I mean, everybody's always looking for a quick fix. And when it comes to spiritual, emotional, mental, physical growth, you have to go through it in order to get over it. Right. And I guess let's pause there real quick. You have to go through it in order to get over it. I think that's how it goes. Is that it's that's perfectly said because you can't just get over something you You have to go go around it it. you have to go through it you have to face it you have to you have to face it you have to feel it and And the people that I know who are doing things in the world that feel fulfilling to them in a deeply meaningful way have faced something in their lives that is so crazy you say that because I honestly asked for this too. I didn't know I was manifesting when I was younger. I had no idea. But I remember when I started to kind of become this personal trainer and wanted to like really take the steps forward as far as 
becoming into this future self that I always envisioned, I would always look at, you know, all of these quote unquote famous people or these inspirational human beings who've really made a positive impact on the world. And so ironically, Oprah was one of them. And just looking because of um, Deepak Chopra. Wait, oh, how do you Deepak Chopra? Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Oh my gosh. When you did the meditation series? Yeah, the 30 day. That's right. Yes. And so I was curious about Oprah because she was such a big part in this whole like meditation journey guide, all this stuff. Okay, right? so side note. Y'all, Deepak offers these 21-day meditation courses that you can download. Um, And he did a series with Oprah, and Oprah was um, speaking also during the meditation in her beautiful, soothing Oprah Mm -hmm. voice. Um, And so, Erica, you listened to that 21-day program. I did, and that was the first time I meditated and actually Ah. was dedicated and really made it a point to do it every single day. I looked forward to it because it, it was just something I never experienced before. And so I was really, really curious as far as how Oprah became who she was. Mm-hmm. And looking back at her childhood and just all the events and everything she had to she overcome. She was sexually abused. I mean, she went mm-hmm. through it all. Mm-hmm. And then I was talking to one of my old mentors and he told me that all of these specific individuals who do make such a positive impact on this world is because of what they went through. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I was abandoned as a little girl, like Mm kind of daddy issues, I guess, but he wasn't around. And maybe, you know, I know that that was my root cause back then, which you helped me through Mm -hmm. and work through and everything, Mm -hmm. but I didn't have a story. I didn't feel like I could really relate with people because I didn't know who really I was or what I wanted to be. And then it wasn't until all of this kind of started transforming and, you know, I did hit all those rock bottoms and I went through all of these things and I did gain all this weight and then I had to lose all this weight. And then I became, you know, Miss overall Colorado cup bikini champion again, Mm -hmm. because I lost that 62 pounds. And then I had to learn who I was. I mean, it's just like this thing. Cyclical. It is. Mm -hmm. And it just, and it's crazy because I did ask for that. I was like, I want to be that person that has a story that can inspire other people. Mm. And it wasn't until probably like two months ago, I'm not kidding you, I thought of that. And I was like, I asked for all of this. Even this podcast. Even this podcast. Yes. I asked for this, what, two and a half months ago? Which I didn't know. No. It's not like she asked me out loud. And honestly, I didn't even think on, honestly, I didn't even think about doing an interview with you. Like it didn't, I was like thinking just anybody I because I didn't know how to share my story I didn't know how to really organize it Mm -hmm. to where it's I'm not rambling and Mm -hmm. you know I really wanted to make sure that I made a positive impact on my story to show that it is possible Mm -hmm. but then you and then you voice messaged me and my mom was in the hospital and I couldn't listen to it and then she texted me again Uh and I read it and I just burst into (laughs) tears because I was like Oh my god! Out of all of the people that want to interview me about my Aww. story, like it's Oakley, like Aww, oh my gosh! And Aww. so just being here is a dream. I was just like, oh, oh yeah. So it's just crazy. How I love things you work so out. much. I love you too. It is crazy, and you know, because I am really dedicated to listening. Also, mm-hmm. you know, and not in a, not in like a, how do you say it? I'm dedicated to listening. <laughs> not like that. Yeah, no, not like that. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> More like listening has my life be so much better. Mm-hmm. Like that. 
And I've been called out from my mentors, like, you don't listen to yourself. Da, da, da. And that made me curious. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. What am I not hearing? Like, literally, hold on, everyone. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. What am I not mm-hmm. hearing? Please tell me. And I had that curiosity, right? And so here I was, you know, going through some of my guests and there your name was in my mind. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Just boom. Ugh. Message Erica. And of course, I didn't even hesitate. Yeah. You know, it was Perfect. (laughs) But I just think there's that deep connection of how we all serve each other and show up for each other. And we don't even need to know. You didn't need to tell me your dream. Mm -mm. You just need to, you needed to know your dream. And then I needed to be inside my dream. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Here we are. So cool. beautiful. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you are left feeling inspired and connected. And if you feel interested or called to be a guest on this show, you can apply through oakleyogden.com and hit podcast, the upper right-hand corner. That will take you to where you need to be. I can't wait to hear from you. Just remember, in the meantime, you have got what it takes.